Hello and welcome to a light-breaking edition of Tell Me Where I'm Going. I'm your host and author, Krista Luca. I apologize for this episode going out a little bit later than normal, but we're here now and and we're and we're talking we're talking stuff. So this is a this is an author update episode. And what that means is I go back over the, the actual chapter that I wrote for this ongoing story. Uh, which is about the traveling Wilburys back in 1988 on an imagined world tour solving crime. And I just kind of talk about the writing and, and, and really kind of dig into it and, and talk about what's going on in the broader uh, world of Tell Me Where I'm Going, which, as you may know, involves you telling me where I'm going. Uh, I, I don't have ideas for the ends of my chapters, and, and uh, you know, you get to jump in on Twitter or, or email or, or however you want to contact me and tell me what's going to happen. So, um, and, and let's, let's get, uh, let's break it down for a second. So, um, I've gotten some feedback in, uh, in Tell Me Where I'm Going fashion that, um, that during these author update updates, um, that I should really actually update you more on the writing and like go into detail about what that process was like and what the challenges were and, you know, all the different details of that. And and you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to get into that. And it's going to be, well, it's going to be what it is. And we're all going to find out if that's fun or boring. But I think it'll be good. But before we get into that, let's let's talk about what is happening in the story and where you guys are telling me it should go. So first of all, this kind of arc, the Traveling Wilburys, that super group involving George Harrison, ex-Beatle, Jeff Lynne of the Electric Light Orchestra that nobody really knows about, Roy Orbison, the 50s and 60s crooner that most folks don't know about, but he's a legend. Uh, and uh, Bob Dylan, the poet who everyone knows about. And Tom Petty, the uh, singer-songwriter who most people know about. I don't know why I'm telling everyone how much they know about these artists, but I did it, so there it is. So it's the, the, that traveling Wilburys um, in an imagined uh, universe back in 1988 and they're and they're going around solving crimes and and the story that I've been telling uh kind of involved a um you know a a sunken fairground uh, out in New Jersey underneath a uh a stadium where they had been playing and uh one of their groupies got kidnapped and was being you know uh, uh by this by this kind of ghost of a of a clown and um or potentially you know we don't know um well, we, we, we do know that she was kidnapped by the clown. We don't know if the clown was a ghost. You know, let's let's parse this out. But um, so, the, you know, they had all these adventures down in the subterranean world, and they finally came back up in the final uh, uh, thing there. And um, we kind of, they were able to trap this clown, and turns out this clown was wearing, wearing a mask. And, and, they, and they pulled it off and revealed someone right and that's what i don't know and that's what you're telling me and i have uh, gotten some gotten some suggestions so far we're going to be putting them up in a poll soon but i wanted to update you that first of all it's not too late to get your suggestions in email me at suggestions at tell me where i'm going dot com 
or go on Twitter, Y-O-U-T-M-W-I-G, and tweet at me. Text me. Uh, send me a letter. Skywrite it. Any way you want. Like and, and no bad suggestions. Just tell me an idea and boom, it's there. But uh, what I wanted to bring up today uh, was the suggestion... Uh, I got this on Discord uh, from PDY, and uh, it's that it's revealed to be the bus driver. Now, this is a bit of a deep cut, and I like it a lot. So, the bus driver was just mentioned offhand by George Harrison once, I believe in episode three or four of the, the chaptered episodes, chapter three or four, um, and saying that, you know, the the bus is going to leave without them and that uh, you know the, even though they're super famous rock stars you know the the bus driver has got a time schedule and you know he's going to take off no matter what so they have to be back in time for that which you know foreshadowing maybe that's going to come into play in uh in in the upcoming chapters but um Regardless, that's one possibility, and that's got a lot of richness there. Why would this bus driver be this uh, this clown? What would be the whole angle there? Why would he be doing any of this? So that would be like a whole interesting way to go with it, and that would be my challenge to explain why, for what purpose, this clown was doing those things, or this bus driver was, uh, you know, a crazy clown. So send me those suggestions and and keep them coming and and we're gonna we're gonna crack this thing together and it's gonna be it's gonna, I think it's gonna be fun, but you tell me. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way. Let's go back. Now, this past episode, that that the, the last chapter that I wrote, um, the suggestion was, and I the, the original question was that I asked you was, okay, how does this clown get trapped? That was the situation that the Wilburys found themselves in, and Belinda uh, was like, oh, I know exactly how to trap this clown. We can't kill it. I know how to trap it. And I said, how do, how do they trap it? What's the... I ran out of idea. What, what, what kind of device did they use? What was their method? Give me a concept here. And what you guys came up with was knitting materials and boy was that a challenge you know i i was assuming that it was going to be something non-traditional and i didn't think anyone was going to say they'll trap him with a bear trap or i don't know like a floor that falls down or something i don't know like i i was imagining something uh that was was gonna come down that was gonna throw me for a curve, but and this is part of the power of this uh, of this relationship is that I could never predict it. Knitting materials were or knitting supplies, I should say, were the uh, were this, the suggestion. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I gonna how am I gonna make this work? Because let's uh, let's face it, I mean, like you know, what's what's knitting supplies here? We've got yarn and we've got knitting needles. That's about it. I, you know, I'm not a knitter myself, but I, I don't know of any other things that go into knitting other than those two 
those two items. So I thought like, okay, well, what a, well, how would you create a trap out of knitting supplies? And, you know, the way my process normally works is, you know, once I get that suggestion and once that's locked in, I'll have about a week to write that and record it. So they have a pretty tight timeline. Uh, so not a whole lot of uh, room uh, to kind of explore different uh, avenues or to kind of rewrite anything, um, which is part of the fun of it. Uh, I just go with what I have and, and just just try to write. And sometimes it's easier than other times, but it's always it's always fun. So normally what I do is once I have that locked in, I'll go sit down in my uh, my desk and I'll write it on paper. This is fascinating stuff, right, guys? I'll write it on paper because uh, for me mentally, writing on actual paper with an actual pen makes it less official than typing into a computer. It's not typeset. It's just my squiggly you know, handwriting, and I can write in the margins, and I can cross things out, and I can you know, move things around, um, but I still have to um, keep writing. Like, the page keeps going. I can't, I write in a pen. I make sure to do that, so I'm not erasing anything. So that, for me, just mentally, that keeps the flow going. I, uh, you know, I can't, I can't go backwards. I can only, you know, layer on top of or, you know, um, cross things out. So there's always, uh, to me, a forward momentum of writing on the page and an intentional sloppiness. It it gives me some freedom to kind of move through the story um, or what I'm writing uh, by getting it down on on actual physical paper. Um, So I write the story like that, and usually I'll write the, uh, the draft of what I'm writing in one or two sessions. Um, so these, these chapters, you know, they, they generally take about 20 minutes to listen to, uh, performed, but in terms of pages, they're generally between, uh, eight and 12 page pages of, uh, screenplay format. I do write eventually in screenplay format because we are performing these uh, narratives. So uh, that just makes it a lot easier to uh, read. Um, I actually started off writing them in prose, but that becomes very hard to distinguish between what characters is speaking and what's a narration direction uh, for, and so, which is why screenplay format exists. So I switched over to that. Um, So I, I, I write the I write the um, the narrative uh, on on paper as I as I've mentioned I think six thousand times by this point, um, and each session that I write is generally about like maybe three hours or so um, that I'm sitting down to write. So you know one or two sessions of that for a rough draft to get between eight and twelve pages. Um, uh, yeah, some, somewhere in that area. Uh, sometimes it's taken me a lot longer. Um, for some episodes, I, I, you know, I spent all weekend writing uh, just to get the first draft. And you know, sometimes I just really struggled with trying to stay focused and figure out like what happens, or, or just to, you know, so it could be as simple as it's a nice day outside, or I'm distracted by something else, and it's just takes a lot of whoo, breathe and 
look down at the page. And that also helps too, because I also tried typing at first because I thought I'd save time, but that's really distracting. There's so many things on your computer that can distract you, at least for me. So having just the paper, I'm sitting at a different desk and it's just me and the pen and the paper. And, and when I get bored, the only thing that's there is the paper. And I come back, okay, what's happening in this story? Okay, so I write this thing. And for this past episode, this wasn't actually that... This was one of the easier ones to write, in a sense. They're not like easier hard, necessarily, but I would say it's less torturous to write. And I'm not saying that like this reflects quality of any given chapter or not, but it's just I, I wasn't dragging it out of myself this time. Uh, so I, I wrote this one in, I think, one maybe four-hour session, uh, the rough draft, uh, and I, I, it was probably a Saturday last, uh, so I, I sat down and I wrote this one and I thought while I was writing it though, um, you know, this whole yarn thing, you know, the, the yarn and the needles, I'm like, okay, how's this gonna, how's this gonna, uh, go? And this is kind of where I lean on my improv skills. Uh, I, I took improv uh, in, at UCB and Magnet Theater in New York for, for quite some time um, and by no means, uh, you know, at, at the top of that art form. But, you know, there is lots of skills there that kind of help for this particular type of format where I'm, I'm basically taking an idea and improvising it but writing it, um, by which I mean I'm... And, and this is something I'm not that good at either. So like, you know, I'm not trying to block out everything ahead of time. I, I, I don't like write cards of like, okay, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And then I write all those in. I, I kind of, I'll get like a rough idea of where I want to go. Like I knew that by the end of this, the clown is going to be trapped. You know, that's, that was the promise. Or at least I... It could have gone another way, right? Like it could have, they could have failed to trap the clown. But I, but I wanted that to resolve. I wanted to start to move towards trapping. So I already had that um, kind of in my head. Okay, that's the end point. But the fun is in getting there. So what we started with was okay. They're up in the green room, and the clown is downstairs. So I, and then I thought, okay, so now I have to incorporate knitting materials I thought okay well what are the two of those knitting needles that's a little tough to like that feels more like okay they're gonna stab them with knitting needles uh I thought like I was leaving it open that maybe it could incorporate itself somehow but I I didn't end up doing I just I just thought about yarn so I thought okay yarn might be a way for them to trap them so I'll I'll try to work that in as much as possible um which is how I ended up doing it, I thought like, okay, I guess we'll do, um, like since yarn is basically just string, uh, I thought, okay, that'll be something that they can wrap up the, the, uh, the clown with. And I didn't know exactly how that was going to work, but that seemed natural enough. It was kind of a rope-like thing. It's kind of absurd. I don't think I truly justified the fact that it, uh, that it was yarn. It's just more of a non sequitur. Um, but that's uh that's kind of the nature of of these short cycles sometimes uh the the justification isn't that solid uh it's just a little bit like nope this is what we're doing 
Um, but I feel like, okay, you just do that with conviction and hopefully you guys felt it was fun and not totally brain dead. Um, but so I sat down and I started writing and I just kind of go beat to beat. So I have the end goal in mind and I just start writing in the characters voices. I, you know, I'll, I'll, once I latch on to a, uh, a starting point, and again, this is kind of mysterious. This is a little bit creative process, but I basically just hang around and just keep staring at the page and keep like being bored and having my mind open and just not keeping my focus coming back to the page. And eventually I just start and I, I say, okay, well, there's an idea. Let me follow that a bit. And I write it. And, you know, generally I don't hate it. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I do really try to keep the editing process till later. So I just keep writing the idea out. And then that idea leads to another idea, which leads to another idea, which leads to another idea. Um, so I'll just keep going with that. Um, in the start of this one, it was, uh, you know, the I, I needed to solve a problem where I wanted to get the characters out of the green room and out onto the uh, the floor of the uh, of the stadium. And that's like a, a kind of a boring problem. It's a furniture moving problem, um, meaning that uh, by furniture moving, you're just getting characters from one place to another. There's nothing dramatic inherently about that. Um, so we needed to jazz it up. Um, we needed to get something else happening there. So I thought, okay, this is, and generally, since this is a silly comedy story, that I thought, oh, well, I'll add some comedy there. I'll, I'll, I'll add some jokes. So um, I had just learned that uh, that George Harrison had uh, had an affair with um, Ringo Starr's wife. Um, I was trying to look up things about him uh, that might be interesting or funny to to kind of play with, and that was something I found. Um, so I kind of leaned into that as something to highlight. Um, I, cause I was conscious, like I want to actually highlight things about these musicians that they actually do or actually did and work that into the story somehow, even if it's in an absurd way. Um, which is kind of what I did there is that like, okay, what, what was the justification for why this clown hasn't gotten up to the, uh, the green room when he was on the staircase at the beginning of the story and uh, Belinda's going on this long explanation of the plan, which I felt like I needed to do at the top to kind of, so that all the characters were on board. And I specifically held that away from the, uh, the audience's perspective because we want to be surprised with how that unfolds. Like if we just say what's going to happen in the very beginning, that kind of takes the drama out of it. Um, if things are going to unfold the exact way that you said, um, there could be drama if, you know, here's the plan and you lay out the whole plan uh, in the, at the top of the story and then things go awry immediately or at some points and, you know, the characters have to deal with that, which is maybe more interesting, but, um, I did not have the time or feel like I had a grasp on that idea to uh, to enact like a, a an oopsie-daisy plot, like a, a something that here's how it should have gone and here's how it actually goes. That's kind of writing two plots. So I, I'm being ruthlessly efficient here, potentially at the expense of the story. 
Um, so I, I just went with, let's keep it at one plot that we don't tell the audience about in the beginning. So then we can find out about it as an audience going forward. Okay, so Belinda tells that story and then I just kind of combined, uh, you know, George Harrison uh, having slept with Ringo's wife to kind of leaning into some of that more like noxious male behavior where they kind of justify these wrongdoings. And I thought, oh, let's play, let's play with that. Maybe he wrote a manifesto and that's what was distracting the clown. And I could kind of play with that and write some jokes around around that and that's a way to distract the clown uh so that he's not uh he's not up there by the time uh or during that whole um you know um uh, plot stuff like saying what the plan is to trap him so that kind of got us down like uh to the uh to the floor and you know and i kind of was like okay they can run around and and I actually wrote some things and generally this does happen where I'll like write some stuff that I end up editing out, um, in this initial draft. And for this one, um, they had kind of run around the stadium a bit more because it wasn't really interesting. Um, and just, or like would repeat beats. Like sometimes I'll feel like I'll write that, like I'll write them out, like, um, either character moves or like jokes or something like that or something that that gets there and then i'll having written like basically a draft one of that in that same session i get to another spot in the narrative and say oh this is actually a better place for that same concept so i just kind of rewrite that but in a tighter form just like a little bit later in the narrative and then in the editing process i just cut the former um so I don't know if that's clear at all. I don't even know if it's clear to me, but really I'm just like, I'm basically just, I keep doing a concept while I'm writing until it's right, or I feel like it kind of clicks. And then later I'll cut the, the dead weight, the stuff, the, the previous iteration. So there was more movement around the, uh, the stadium, which uh, were basically previous or like repeated iterations of other stuff that happened, that actually happens and made it to the episode. So, um, yeah, and, you know, getting, getting to the stage, I felt like it was really, it would be really fun to have everyone on the stage. Like, that wasn't something that I, I started thinking about uh, when I sat down, but then I thought, like, this is a golden opportunity. They're in the stadium. They're a band. They're all musicians most people know about. There should be something with the stadium, there should be something with them playing music. Like, they never play music, right? They haven't played music this whole thing, which is part of the absurdity. But now, towards the end of the story, come on, let's 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 have them actually do the thing that they do. Um, which, you know, I decided to address with a little George Harrison thing, uh, uh, monologue about, okay, we're not good at anything except playing music, uh, so let's go play music. And um, so I had them play the Traveling Wilburys big hit. And um, I thought like, okay, so that was, I knew that was going to happen like maybe halfway through my writing session. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's actually get them on stage. So I kind of worked towards the stage. Like that was like both like narratively and physically. I was like, okay, yeah, they they need to get on that stage and start playing. That'll be a good um, finale. Um, And I thought it was, kind of fun like like while I was 
thinking to myself, like, how would you justify playing uh, a show in the middle of being chased by a killer clown? And that's like a lot of how like some of the humor comes from uh, it's just me asking myself questions and then making ridiculous justifications based on the ridiculous characters I've created, but still trying to ground it. Like, I don't know if it comes across or if it's just completely bonkers seeming, but I do try to keep the characters consistent and grounded into whatever version of themselves they are. Um, so hopefully that that works. Uh, and if not, yell at me, Y-O-U-T-M-W-I-G on Twitter. Um, but so, so this, so this one was like, uh, I wanted to play with, uh, okay, so what's the justification? Why are they going to go play this? Uh, so that was like my thing of, you know, George Harrison, uh, giving that speech about music and I'm trying to like play with the whole thing about like, you know, so many times like musicians can come across as a little pompous maybe. Uh, where, you know, they're like, music saves the world kind of a thing, and it's the answer to everything. And I thought that would be a funny thing to lean into, that, like, he literally thinks that this is going to save them right now. Um, and Bob Dylan's the the one who's, uh, you know, he's usually the enigmatic one in, in, uh, in real life, so I thought it would be fun to have him just straight up advocating murder. Um, so... Uh, you know they're they're going and they're playing the song. I thought, okay, this is this would be fun. And I actually went back and forth about the musicians, or not the musicians, the the instruments that the girls were going to be playing. Um, I thought, let's okay, let's get some. We we need some actual other instruments, and we need to involve the girls too, because you know these are invented characters. They're uh, the actual traveling Wilburys are all male, um, so wanted to to incorporate them into this final stage performance since they have all been part of the narrative um so i need to give them some some instruments to play um so i started out going back and forth and i thought like okay what do we need to put in there and i thought well uh at first it, it was just like all the the regular instruments okay we need drums bass and keyboard right great that's done I thought, like, well, let's actually play with this. There could, there could be some jokes in there. So then I kind of expanded them out to, to kind of be a little bit more ridiculous. And, um, you know, especially in some of the ones that they didn't need anymore and some of the ones they did. Anyway, uh, explaining the joke. But not really. I'm explaining how I got there. But, um, but yeah, so then, it, you know, the, the actual use of yarn to, to trap the clown... That was, I don't know if I'm fully happy with it. It's all right, but um, they, you know, they, I, I was, I was thinking like, okay, they can. I wanted them to all collaborate. I wanted them to have like a team up. That this is all, like that was the important thing. That they all work together to stop this thing. Um, and the fact that it was yarn. Well, that was a, obviously that's a suggestion that has to happen from that. But like the characters and their teamwork or their friendship or their <laughs> rivalry, however that plays into it, has to come together uh, for for this kind of more uh, final moment. So, you know, I had them start crisscrossing each other to to kind of cinch up the legs of the uh, the clown, and yeah, that I think it works. It's a little harder to you know it's more of a cinematic 
thing. I don't want to say like, oh, this is cinema. But like, you know, it, it works visually uh, or could work visually. Whereas like in an, uh, a, a written piece or an audio piece, like, you know, characters crisscrossing each other and moving in space, you, you know, it's not as powerful a uh, image. That being said, I really like that it ends up with the clown tied up legs and then he starts to hop. He has to hop everywhere to move around. And that was something I just discovered. Like that wasn't something at all that I had planned or thought of. It was just like while I was writing, I just started giggling of like how he's going to move now. Because I, I wanted him, basically he gets tied up um, before the finale. So I thought like we need one more big thing. So he has to still still be getting up again, like kind of the horror movie cliche of uh, the villain. He's not dead yet. You know, he's coming back. Um, but I just thought it was such a fun deflation to have this scary thing having to hop around. And just the, the thought of visualizing that and having that repeated uh, just made me, made me laugh. So I tried to work that in and... Um, that was also the device I used to counterpoint the uh, the performance. So while the song lyrics are happening, there's hopping of the uh, of the clown getting closer and closer, which hopefully uh, evoked some um, fun imagery or, or something like that. So um, yeah, that's kind of a very long way of explaining uh, my writing process and how. This whole episode played out. Oh, I forgot the cops at the end. Uh, that uh, I felt like okay, we need to we need to have somebody stop the the um, basically bring everything to a halt. And like with, and I also recognize somebody brought this up too um, that this is kind of tracking a little bit. It's very close to Scooby Doo at the end here. And I do have to say that was intentional. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, <laughs> tell me if this is, if you felt that that influence before or not, or if it was, um, too on the money or too close to Scooby-Doo, no copyright infringement, <clears throat> but, you know, I wanted, I thought it was just really fun and silly to have this, um, uh, this, this gang of, um, of legendary musicians, um, basically solving mystery machine style uh, crimes. Although like because of the way of your suggestions play into this narrative, it goes in all these different directions and it became, you know, so much different, which is what I wanted. It was so cool to have it go everywhere, you know? And so maybe towards the end, it starts to track more with what I was originally thinking of, which, um, yeah, maybe let's blow it open. Let's let's maybe not keep it so closed into the quote unquote original source material. Um, it's not really the original because none of this really was anything like Scooby Doo. But you know, obviously the mask at the end and the you know the cops coming in and it, pulling that off. There's a, that is very much uh, a Scooby Doo ending. Um, but we'll. Uh, We'll see. Let's 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 blow it out here. Let's see what happens at the end. But um, okay, so so that's kind of how I I, I work and kind of what happened this last time. Uh, please let me know if you like this level of explanation. 
Uh, if you enjoyed hearing that breakdown, if you hated it, if this is way too long, I'm noticing now this is probably as long as one of the regular episodes uh, of the of the scripted version. So, uh, yeah, tell me. Tell me where I'm going. Is this something uh, something that should be kept? But anyway, all right, I've gone on at length. Let me know what happens or who is revealed as the clown when the when the when the mask comes off and no holds barred. Tell me what's happening. Let's go in every crazy direction imaginable. Let's go in every mundane, uh, sane direction imaginable. Let's go places. All right, thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Bye bye. <laughs>